I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, everyone, and welcome once again to History Dweebs. I'm Tim, and um, we're back after a little break, so we uh, appreciate your patience and glad that you're tuning in. As always, uh, I'm joined by the incomparable um, Blue Hair Beauty, Brandy. How are you, Brandy? I'm well, Tim. How are you? I am outstanding, Brandy. Excellent. Did you enjoy our little break? It was all right, Timmy, but you know, I missed you in the land of he- the heathen. Well, I thank you for missing me. I miss you guys as well, but I am back. And uh, did would you like to tell our listeners where you were and what you was doing, Timmy? I would like to tell them where I was. I don't know if I want to tell them what I was doing, but I was in um, the um, beautiful country of Colombia. It's very beautiful down there in South America, and I had a wonderful time. And um, but now it's time to get back to work and time to get back to our podcast. You, you're trying to gloss over that one real quick, Angel. Yes. Yes, I am. Joined, joining Brandy and I, as always, is the um, very honorable and distinguished Colonel Charles mm-hmm. Beauregard Hawk Waters III, affectionately known as the Southern Gentleman. So, Charles, how have you been? I, you know, I'm, I'm I'm good, Timmy. I appreciate you. I, I kind of missed you, but then, you know, I was gone, too. I've been spending some time up in New Hampshire. Yeah, how's that? How's your campaign going? The campaign's going good. Now, the, now and I, I, I'll tell you a funny story. Okay. You know, so I'm up there. Now, Lord. John McCain, I don't know what the hell he's doing up there. John McCain was in New Hampshire? He stops by every time. Every time there's press, there's John McCain. Okay. But, you know, now, John McCain had the cancer, the melanoma. Right. Okay. It's a serious condition. It's a very serious condition. And Marco Rubio, mm-hmm. we decided one day to just mess with him. Okay. What did you guys do? Well, as we were talking to Marco, we just kept staring at his cheek. And Marco was like, what? We're like, nothing. Nothing. Never mind. And then finally, we just get up close to him and start staring at him. And John McCain's like, what is that on your cheek there, Mario? You need to go get that checked out. Now, Mario. Marco, Marco Rubio, I'm sorry. Marco I keep calling him Mar- Mario, but Marco. Okay. And, well, you're probably uh, close to him. You yeah. probably call him Mar- Yeah, I, I call him Mar. But, uh, Good Lord. So John McCain, you know, because he had the melanoma, and he acts all real concerned and everything. And like, Wait, so you're playing funny <clears throat> ha-has with John McCain? Is it? Are you? Yeah, we played a trick on, on Rubio. Oh, Rubio. Oh, yeah, he, he, had, he had a little, he had just got he had a little tiny freckle on his cheek. Yeah. We were like, you know, like a son's And John McCain's so like, you need to go get that checked out. It's man. similar to, to things we do to you. Oh, he was running out. We didn't see him for two days. Really? Two days, yeah. You talk, and, you know, he dumb anyway. Uh-huh. He dumb anyway, so we didn't really miss him. But <clears throat> we're going to get Ted Cruz next. Oh, yeah, right. you, would not, you would not think John McCain the jokester he is. Yeah. But he's he a funny man. He's not low-hanging fruit, though. He's, right, that's true. He's a hoot. Oh, he's a he's a funny, funny man. But then he can, can get, he can get all crazy. He can get crazy. One minute he's funny, one minute he's crazy. But I think he's about eighty four years old now. So yeah, his moods fluctuate. Okay, so uh, you don't have much competition up there, I guess, on the Democratic side. You got Hillary, but uh, you're running neck to neck to neck with her on the Democratic side. Well, I, I had a little run in with Hillary. Um, was, was it not pleasant or? Uh, you know, Hillary wears the pantsuits all the time. Right. And and I told her, I was like, Hillary, you know what? Wear a skirt for Christ's sake. Everybody know you got the cankles. 
You're just really? covering up the cankles uh, with the pants. We're doing everybody kangles knows. now. Well, come on. You you, you got oh the cankles. Everybody willing to accept you. You know, just take the wear wear a skirt for God's sake. Okay, well, we're wearing a pantsuit. Colonel, no, ain't nobody gonna judge you for the cankles. Uh, Colonel, you probably uh, have um, offended just about everyone in the audience by by at this point. So maybe we should move on. Do we have any sponsors today? I, well, just let me say, and and I don't like to get too political on this, right? But if you're a Republican and I offend you, good. If you're a Democrat and I offend you, good. Because what the country needs are colonel-crats. Right. They need colonel-crats. Yeah. So if you're saying I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat, you need to be offended. You need to wake up and become a colonel-crat. You're an idiot. <laughs> you're an idiot. <laughs> so I'm guessing I'm not going to get your vote. <laughs> you know, I don't want your vote anyway, Blue Hat <laughs> You're probably going out voting for the Green Party or something. Go. I'm buying a Star Destroyer. I don't need your shit anyway. <laughs> Okay, so uh, look for the colonel out on the campaign trail. He spent a lot of time in Iowa and New Hampshire getting ready for the primaries and the caucuses out there. I did. I did. I got uh, I got us a nice sponsor out there, Timmy. Okay, tell us about our sponsor this week. Well, you know, you, you now in Columbia, I know you was loaded up on the Red Bull because I know what kind of ungodly, heathenly thing I, I did have my share. I did drink my share of Red Bull while yeah. I was in You know, I'm not as young as I used to be. Well, so. I know you was taking a Red Bull, Cialis, Viagra, whatever, it cocktails. And, yeah, I know what he I don't know what the devil oh. do over there. But anyway, there's another line. Yeah. Another line of products. This woman made another line of products. Uh-huh. And it's, it's really because when you're a lesbian, Homosexual, you do a lot of you do a lot of protesting. Okay, a lot of protesting. So what she did, she came out with Pink Bull instead of Red Bull. Pink Bull. Well, you got the Pink Bull for the lipstick lesbians. Okay, uh, I see. You got for your for your dyke lesbians, bull dyke lesbians. You got the flannel. Oh my bull. god. Okay, she got that, um, uh, and she got the bear bull. Does he think we have, like, uh, just enough audiences that we can just offend everyone? No, I'm just saying, do you know how much energy it takes to carry signs around all day? You're painting a little rainbow thing. You get okay. up in the morning painting rainbow things. Can we talk carry about a sign all day? Now? Uh, I'm just, can we give a, a shout-out to the... I'd rather the, talk about a stripper and a whore than this BS here. Okay, let's... let's, let's <laughs> well, you stop paying for the show, then. We, we, we've, I pay in so many ways. <laughs> we, we've offended Democrats. We've offended Republicans. And we've offended lipstick, lesbians, and... Wait, not, I, really, I'm sure gonna, they have taken no offense to that. <laughs> yeah. It is a product specially designed for them. Let us say, for the record, that we love Democrats, we love Republicans, and we especially love lipstick lesbians, right? Oh, my God. The internet was built around... The, <laughs> lipstick lesbians built the internet. Yes, yeah, stop talking. Um, so, um, anyway, <laughs> uh, we got a couple of shout-outs today uh, for folks who... I really want to give a shout-out to some folks who have been very active on our Facebook page. Mimi... Um, who just is outstanding. She sends us a lot of good information and good suggestions. Um, we really appreciate you, Mimi, uh, your participation. Now, and you know Mimi, a personal friend of mine. I know that. I don't understand why, but I know that. Well, actually, she a personal friend of my devil wife. Yeah. Now, I can understand her being friends with Renee. And then we... Because Renee's lovely. Kind yeah, of peripherally, um, peripherally friends, but... And uh, I want to give a shout-out to Gina, who is also very active. She listens to every podcast. And for all of those of you who have um, made comments on our iTunes, um, give us a review on iTunes. Thank you very much. That's how people find us. So if you're listening to us on iTunes, please leave a comment. We would greatly appreciate it. Um, we, um, you know, we, we don't have sponsors on this show. We'll never have sponsors on this show. But um, and we'll never ask you for money. <laughs> but we would ask if you'd be so kind to Telephone. leave us a review on iTunes because that's really how people find us. So if you could do that, we would really appreciate it. Today's topic. Let's uh, move right. We in. did not do our shout out to Dottie. She doesn't need a shout out every week. Scott, shout out to Scott who won a bet. Thank you, Scott. Scott's also very happy. Dottie needs a shout out every single week. Uh, she, she, right. she's Shout, better than you act. So. Shout, shout out to my mom. 
You're a okay. lovely woman, Dottie. Okay, let's go right into the topic of uh, the podcast today, which is Matahari, and who was a very interesting lady um, who had a very interesting life, and uh, we think she would be a good topic for this pod- podcast. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with Matahari, um, she was born Margaretha Gertruda Margaret Zell in, on August 7th, 1876, uh, and she died. She was actually executed as a spy on October 15th, 1917 in France. Um, uh, Margaretha is better known to the world by her stage name, which is Matahari. Um, for the sake of this podcast, we're just going to refer to her as Mata or Matahari. Um, she was a, an exotic dancer and a courtesan. Um, she moved into um, moved in very high um, society circles and um, became very famous in Europe in the early society part. circles. What society <laughs> circles? The hell kind of circles she moved? Society, high society circles. You said society. I want it's high society. Okay. Anyway. Really? Um, Mata, as you probably know, she was convicted as being a spy and executed by firing squad in France uh, for espionage for Germany, uh, conducting espionage for Germany during World War One. So that's her claim to fame. But uh, Mata was Dutch. She was born, as I said, on August 7, 1876, in Leeuwarden, the Netherlands. Um, her father was Adam Zell. Um, and uh, him and his wife had four children, including Mata. Um, her father was a hat maker, and he made uh, his uh, fortune in oil investments. So um, Mata ha- was quite spoiled early on. She attended um, exclusive schools until she was about 13. Mm-hmm. Um when her father went uh, bankrupt, um, so he had some financial problems, lost all his money. His parents soon divorced, um, and then um, shortly after the divorce, Mata's mother uh, died in uh, 1891. Her father remarried uh, when Mata was 17 years old, um, but there wasn't. It didn't seem like they wanted Mata in in the home. So um, she went to live with a, her godfather, um, and um, she studied to be a kindergarten teacher, um, took classes for that, but um, her godfather took her out of school when the headmaster started making uh, sexual advances toward Mata. Mata, was, at that point, was like 17 years old. Um, and she was tall. She was 5'10", which was really tall for that for that time period, very thin, very attractive. Um, so after that, she dropped out of school um, uh, to, uh, studying to be a kindergarten teacher. She w- went to live with her uncle in The Hague in the Netherlands. Um, and while she was there, she answered a personal ad in the local newspaper um, from a uh, Dutch colonel, named, uh, army captain named Rudolf McLeod. And McLeod was stationed in the Dutch East Indies, which is now known as Indonesia. And he, was pl- he placed a personal ad for a wife. So Mata and Rudolf was his name, started exchanging letters and were married in Amsterdam on July 11th, 1895. So Mata and her new husband uh, moved to Indonesia, uh, back to where he was stationed. Now, Mata's husband was uh, 20 years older than she was. So, um, there and was, rich. And he was rich. It. Yeah, he was rich. And that was an important feature because that helped move Mata up into um, the middle class society in in the Netherlands. So it, it she moved it, up into middle class. Yeah, she moved up to an upper middle class society. So um, that was a you know, and that's what he brought to the table. She was a young, beautiful woman, and he had you know he had uh, money and he had uh, a title. So um, yeah, it, it was a marriage of convenience. 
Um, but the marriage did not go well. Um, as I said, Rudolph was 20 years older than Mata. He was an alcoholic. Um, and uh, by all accounts, kind of uh, was verbally abusive to Mata. He um, blamed her for his lack of uh, progression in his career. Uh, he also kept uh, openly kept a concubine, um, which was not that unusual at the time, but it's nothing that Mata didn't particularly appreciate. I'd like to know when that, when that uh, died out. Concubine. I don't know, man. They really need to bring that back. I wouldn't mind a concubine. You have several no, concubines. Yeah, but I, yeah, but I know. But, <laughs> I'm um, sorry, but yeah, yeah. I just mean like it should be acceptable. It's in well, you're. I mean, your religion is acceptable. Right? Yeah, you. You what? One of those Mormons, you could have forty-eight concubines if you want. No, you're ignorant. <laughs> I'm a damn Methodist. The most I can have is a porcupine. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most you should have. <laughs> Rudy, your dog. I got Rudy, yeah, I got Rudy. Okay, so uh, anyway, um, the, really, the, the, the marriage wasn't going too well, but they did have two children. Uh, they had a son, Norman John McLeod, who was born in 1897, and Louise Jean McLeod, who was born in 1898. Now, this is kind of sad. Uh, Norman, the, the son... He died at age two from complications of syphilis that uh, apparently he had contracted from. What was he, like Little Timmy? (laughs) He just bounced. The whole kind of nursery they put him in? No, he had contracted it uh, from his parents, so either from Mata or from uh, Rudolph. I'm guessing Rudolph was hoarding around in Indonesia, would be my guess, but... You know, so he had it at birth? The boy had yeah, it at birth? Yeah. Uh, well, they, but the girl had it, too. Yeah, the girl had it, too. Now, they claimed that Mata and um, Rudolph claimed that the uh, little John, Norman John, was poisoned by one of their enemies or by one of their servants. But, you know, that seems like that might just been a face-saving kind of excuse that they were using that they actually... The kid had um, contracted syphilis from his parents. And Louise, the daughter, uh, so he died at age two. Louise would die at age 21 from what also appeared to be complications from syphilis. So, Damn, that was a- She probably contracted on her own by then. It may be, so. maybe, or it may again been, you know, from, you know, I'm, I'm guessing that Rudolph was a bit of a male whore and... But you know, I don't. You know, I, don't I don't want to place. I'm not like place living, living well, in Kentucky. Oh, I got syphilis <laughs> from my daddy. Huh? Oh well. Anyway, so and we just offended the whole state of Kentucky. Okay, so while they were unhappily married, uh, so kind of you know to deal with all this trauma going on, Mata threw herself into Indonesian culture. She started taking classes and classes on traditional dance. And um, she became a performer. She took on the name Matahari, uh, which was a Malaysian uh, word uh, meaning eye of the sun. Did you mention she was five foot ten? Yeah, she's five ten. That was tall at the, you know, oh, at the time. It's tall now. Yeah, it's tall now. So she was tall and thin and very beautiful. Uh, apparently, she was the only thing that um, she was kind of self-conscious about was that she had small breasts, but she otherwise... She, she was, kept them covered. She yeah, always kept them covered. Yeah, she was um, self-conscious about that. Which but, you should do if you got But anything breasts. else was just all out there. Yeah. Yeah, she was um, she was ahead of her time, that's for sure. Um, so anyway, uh, she left Rudolph for a little while and went to live with another guy, and then uh, Rudolph convinced her to come back, and she did, but, you know, problems continued. He continued to drink and be verbally abusive, so they ended up getting a divorce in 1902. Um, she originally got custody of Louise, but Rudolph uh, wouldn't pay, make his uh, child support payments, so basically, she had to give Louise up back to Rudolph because she could not support uh, Louise on her own. Now you gotta wonder what goes through a man's head. He's twenty years older than this woman. She's beautiful, five foot ten. Mm-hmm. She obviously don't have a problem getting naked, and he's gonna be a, he's gonna be ass to her all the time. 
Yeah, but you know, at the time, look, you look at he—he he was a sailor. He was in the navy. He, he, he probably a had a woman. In That's it. where the syphilis came from. Well, it's yeah. probably a woman in every port, you know. And he was living in Indonesia, well, and Indonesia is a wonderful country. Money. But you know, yeah, he had money. Yeah, yeah, he had money. So I mean, he probably fooled around a lot. So anyway, they—they uh, they did get divorced in 1902. Um, so, uh, for the first time in her life, Mata found herself alone, uh, and she moved to Paris, and she started to perform as an exotic dancer using the skills that she learned in Indonesia. And she made up this whole uh, persona, this, uh, she made up this whole life story, which was not really uncommon um, uh, by, you know, uncommon at the time four performers and um, so she said she was from Indonesia and she was trained in the art for years in the art of um, exotic dance and, and really she probably studied just a few months of the dance but for whatever reason she used that as her kind of her um, appeal and she became you know very popular she would dance naked um, she well, would, would make you popular well she would use a bodysuit but it, she would appear naked, and she. But she always, like Brandy said, she always covered her breasts because she was. Um, well, damn, so, how small was they? Well, I don't. I don't she. Know. She was pretty flat. She was pretty flat chested. Yeah. Was she like a like an A cup or something. I guess, but she was pretty yeah. flat chested. Yeah. Didn't they have boob jobs back then? No, I don't think they had the. Um, I don't think they had silicone back in the day. But she was, um, you know, she became a, a somewhat of a celebrity. Um, like well, we said, she was five ten. She was beautiful, and um, and she became, you know, she lived this bohemian lifestyle. Um, men found her irresistible, and um, she soon used that to her advantage. She was making contacts um, and became, you know, and was seen in the company of very important men. Uh, captains of industry, military leaders, politicians from all different countries throughout Europe. She was networking. Yeah, she was networking. And through these relationships, she traveled a lot, uh, you know, through the different countries in Europe, France and Germany and England. Um, and before the war broke out, World War One broke out, she was generally viewed as an artist and a free-spirited bohemian. Uh, but as war approached, she started to be seen as somewhat of a wanton and um, promiscuous woman, and maybe a perhaps even a dangerous seductress. So when World War One broke out, Mana continued to travel freely because she was a citizen of the Netherlands, and the Netherlands was neutral, so their citizens could come and go throughout all the countries, the central powers, Germany and uh, Austria, Hungary, uh, as well as, uh, you know, as well as the other, uh, you know, as well as England and France and uh, throughout uh, both both sides, I guess. So she was traveling quite a bit, which it got her into uh, a little bit of a situation. A wee bit of a situation? A wee bit of a situation. Well, she was trying to avoid <coughs> battlefields, and she would travel through between France and the Netherlands through Spain and Britain. Um, and inevitably, all of these movements by her attracted attention. Now, she, you know, like Tim said, she... She kept company with a lot of very wealthy men and uh, a lot of very powerful people, <clears throat> but you know that was only going to take her so far. Um, in 1916, she was traveling by steamer from Spain when her ship um, when her ship called at the English port of Falmouth. Uh, she was arrested and brought to London where she was interrogated at length by this Sir Basil Thompson. He was assistant commissioner at the Scotland Yard, and he was in charge of counter-espionage. And he wrote about it, um, saying she eventually admitted to working for French intelligence. Um, she was released a little bit later, and she was staying at the Savoy Hotel. Um they actually broadcast the full transcript of the interview that she did um, over the British Ash in the Brit. It's in the British National Archives, but it was broadcast on the London on London Broadcasting in 1980. 
Yeah, um, for, she pretty much admitted, like you said, that she was right. working for French. But it's unclear. They think, you know, it's unclear if she lied on this occasion. She thought that the story made her sound more intriguing, um, or maybe if the French authorities were using her in such a way, but they wouldn't acknowledge it. So because they'd be embarrassed or the internal or international backlash. So nobody really knew if she was making that part up. And 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 here's some good advice for people. Yes. And we just had this on another podcast, too. When When you're doing unscrupulous things, such as you did on your vacation, but these weren't internet, you weren't breaking international law or local law or just. Spit it out! Anyway, don't do interviews. Don't do interviews with the press. Well, no, she this was, wasn't the press. She was, she this was, was the, this was Scotland Yard. She was doing the yeah. interview with. Yeah, but she did an interview with. No, 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 with, no. Uh, no. National Broad. Okay. No. The she did not. She was. She should have taken a fifth. They did the. What they did was. Here's another one. London Broadcasting. When the police want to talk to you, take the fifth. Okay. London Broadcasting had the transcript and hired actors to play. Monahari yeah, and this, this was guy. sometime later on. This is but, 1980. Yeah. Okay. Now, 1980. Now, <laughs> selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you chiching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Mata, but, but you got to remember at the time, England and France were allies. So it, you know, it would be like uh, the United States interviewing someone who's spying for Canada. A Canadian, a Canadian spy. Yeah, I mean, you know, it wasn't as like they thought she was spying for Germany. And right. that's where the whole double agent thing comes Does from. Does Canada have spies, do you think? Oh, you know they do. Pam Anderson, Brian Adams, Joey Votto. Joey Votto, I bet he is. I right. think he's a spy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in January of 1917, the German military attaché in Madrid transmitted radio messages to Berlin describing such helpful activities of a German spy codenamed H-21. French intelligence agents intercepted the message, and from that information, they identified H-21 as Matahari. Uh, the messages were in code that some claim that German intelligence knew had already been broken by the French. Um, and actually, they, had, they hadn't been broken by the French. It had been broken by the British. But, um, but it left some to claim that the messages were just, they were just made up and contrived. Um, but the Germans, this was the same code the Germans were convinced was unbreakable and was used to transmit the Zimmerman telegram. Yeah, and this is, this is I mean, British are a badass when it comes to breaking codes. Um, well, the people smart. Yeah. It's I mean, never sunny out there. They yeah, got never sunny. They got nothing else to do. Yeah. But, um, <coughs> so they broke these codes, right? The Zimmerman telegraph that you, um, we'll talk about later, uh, was uh, which was one of the key factors that led to the U.S. getting involved in the war. But they broke these codes, and one of these codes said identified Matahari as an agent working for Germany. So we've got her working for France as a uh, possibly uh, possibly working for France as a uh, agent, a spy, and now she's been identified working for Germany, the other side, as a spy. So there's questions as to whether she was working for either one or she was working for both. We just don't know. Right. Just a, a side note that, uh, that British broke the Enigma thing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and the British was also the first ones to come out with radar. 
you know that. Mm-hmm. And do you know what the name of the radar they called it? I don't. O'Reilly. Snoopy. Snoopy. It's like Red Baron. Yeah, the Germans couldn't figure out when they was coming over. You know, they'd send these squadrons out, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden they'd be like, oh, we're going to kick their ass now. And all of a sudden, 28 RAF planes show up. They were like, how the hell they do that? Snoop. Straight off. Straight Snoopy. Off. But they named it Snoopy. Snoopy. And then that's where the dog came from. Oh, okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Charles. Okay. So um, so now we have Matahari um, identified by the French authorities as being a... German spy, and she is then uh, arrested and taken to trial. Well, she's, and, and this is a, a weird time because you got to understand there's a lot of controversy still over whether she was a spy, whether she wasn't a spy. Um, and you, and you got to understand the time and the situation. Now, at that time, Germany's just kicking allies' asses. Okay, so that, now the Allies got to come Yeah, the up war is going, at this point, the war is going good for the Central Powers. Yeah. So France, you know, which France ship, have they ever, since Napoleon, have they won a war? No. I mean, they, yeah, they ain't going to win a war, so they're looking around like, oh, well, well I mean, at, 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 at the very, at the very, at the very best, it was at a stalemate. Well, there was the, no the Germans. They could not beat back the German advances at that time, and so they got to blame somebody, right? So you know, might as well blame her. They was I, they was blaming a lot of people for being spies. What they weren't saying was, well, our generals are kind of you know kind of we ru- screwed each other, yeah. guys. Yeah, digging these trenches might not have been the best idea. Um, so what they was doing was they, they real or imagined they had all kinds of people they were blaming for spying. That's what that's where they were laying the blame on. Yeah, spies. well, I mean, all the countries had internal. You know, people were getting sick of the war. Uh, it was right. going nowhere, and you know, this you know, seventy five million people died or whatever, and people were, there was no end in sight. And you get uh, you know after a while. You know, people will give you some slack, but after a while, people start to get a little antsy, saying, hey, when's this thing going to end? Yeah, and the German—not the Germans, but the British, the French, they, they was like, oh, no, we'd be kicking ass if we weren't for those spies. Mm-hmm. So they start putting people up. Now, Now you got uh, George Ledoux here, Captain George Ledoux. He's with the French intelligence. I like and that name, Ledoux. George Ledoux. Um <laughs> He he kind of he he did some shady things with the evidence against her. Um, he constructed it in a, in a very very damning way, um, and and in some accounts he even tampered with it. Now this Ledoux fella later on, he got tried as a spy, as a double agent. So I wouldn't believe a damn word. But first of all, I wouldn't believe a damn word any Frenchman told me. Um, I mean, unless please don't insult anyone people on this but, podcast. Uh, no, I mean, come on. We all been around long enough. You know Frenchmen. You know Frenchmen. You believe anything they say. I, I believe I, a Russian before I believe I a Frenchman. I don't think I know anybody. So this was kind of like the McCarthyism. They were just blaming everybody. They were for blaming. Being a spy I mean, or, granted, there were know. spies, but I mean, well, sure. It was it was how the generals could lay the blame. You know, not not because they was strategically inept. It was it was spies. It was spies. So. Um, now, Mata Harry, she says, yeah, yeah, I had a German officer. Uh, he uh, paid me for some sexual favors. And, you know, the colonel don't see anything wrong with that. That's fine. I, I mean, I, I you, you want to put out some sexual favors to a German officer? Although the German's into weird stuff. I don't know what he was getting. But um, but anyway, and she was Dutch. Shit, they do anything for money. You know how the Dutch is. Oh, my God. But uh, and plus, she's getting a regular stipend from this Dutch baron. So, you know, she she basically, when she came in here to court, she's like, I'm putting out to everybody and I'm collecting checks. Right. You know, I'm, I'm basically, she was. So basically you're saying that she was uh, <clears throat> receiving money for sexual favors from multiple sources. Right. And, the, and this lack of perceived moral scruples. Um, I mean, at this point, she's forty-one years old. Yeah. Now you well, gotta. She, she'd stop dancing because right. she felt like she'd gotten too fat to dance. And you she gotta stop dancing, but she was still whoring it up. You gotta, I am not listening to how forty-year-old women up to look women. like men. I was not gonna say that. I was gonna say you gotta give it up to a woman who forty-one years old and can still charge for it. Can still I, charge for it. You know, there are hookers at Amsterdam that are eighty and still charge for it. Well, that's because they. 
you know, everybody got a niche. There's people, there's midgets that are, that people are paying for. I mean, eighty year old midgets. You go over to Denmark, no, they got eighty year old. They women. got donkey brothels. I mean, yeah, they it's get just weird stuff over they there. They got so, uh, animal they, brothels. Yes, yeah, they they do. animal brothels. They, in uh, in Amsterdam, they got two sisters who yes. work in their. They're like a hundred years old. Yeah, they're yeah. Really, yeah. Really old. Yeah. 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 They're, they're very good at their back, job. Back they're good. Well, hell no. They're they got what they do. Years of experience between them. I'm telling you. I guess they Okay, they so yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> they do the break. <laughs> Ow! That would suck. Yeah. Well, yeah. I wonder if you get a refund. I bet not. I, I bet that's work. a thing. Is that workers' comp? Maybe it just pops in and out. <laughs> Is that workers' comp? You wonder. Uh, Matahari. Okay, I'm sorry. We were talking about Matahari. So Matahori, Matahori. That's the really? we're gonna that's call what we're doing now. now. No. Um, her lack of, she was described as a woman without scruples, accustomed to make use of men. She is the type of woman who was born to be a spy. Now that's what Captain George Ledoux said. Yeah, and and they just they just interviewed her and interviewed her and interviewed her and they did a lot of psychological things, sleep deprivation, uh, you know, kept up shining a bright light on her face, throw cold water on her. They might have even waterboarded her. I don't know. Um, I don't know if waterboarding was a thing then. But I, I don't um, know. I think they used a rack on her. Okay. Um, but but anyway. So anyway, he's we don't know what they did. He's embellishing <clears throat> at the end. But okay. But so. it was. But it was pretty. It was. It was very intense interrogation. Okay. Um, and they really didn't come up with anything. Okay. But because she's, you know, I mean, she's she's getting banged more than a drum in a jazz band. Well, and she's going across, you know, a lot. I travel a lot. So Mm -hmm. I know every time, you know, usually every time I go out of the country, because I travel a lot, every time I come back in, I get pulled over by security and they ask me a million questions. And so I'm sure during the war because you're a weird old man. You look a little shifty. You're a weird old man coming back in the country. My point is during wartime and she's going from one side to the other, you know, you're putting yourself in in a situation where you can draw a lot of attention. Yeah. Now this and, and this is important too because it was a spy thing. She did not get a she did not get a trial in a court of law. Although again, you you know you get tried in France. We just saw what happens over there. You, it's thirty eight different trials. Well, but, I mean, this is wartime too. Yeah, so. but she got tried by a military tribunal, right? And they, that, the evidence level you need for that is lower. Well, much her defense lower. attorney wasn't allowed to cross examine anybody. I mean, he got screwed. He couldn't. He wasn't allowed to. Um, he was denied permission to either cross-examine the prosecution's witnesses yeah. or examine his own witness directly. Right. Yeah. What the hell is that? That you just basically sit there. They fire out accusations yeah. and say uh, innocent. Okay. I mean, guilty until you're proven innocent. Yeah. So it was, it was a military tribunal trial. Now it took him 45 minutes to return a guilty verdict. That long. Yeah, well, they, again, they wanted to stay because they went out at like 10, 10.45. Of lunch. Yeah, you get the lunch voucher. Yeah, you do. Um, so. I wonder if they have fries and bread. She, and the only thing she had to say was, it's impossible. It's impossible. And she probably did it in a different, it's impossible. Now, I'll tell you one thing interesting like about Rainbow? the girl, though. She, uh, later on, they did a movie about her and Greta Garbo. Yeah. But anyway, now I'm, now I'm going to tell you something about this woman. You 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 say what you want about Matahari. The woman had some balls on her. She yes. had a set of stones on her. When they took her out for a firing squad, she wasn't bound. She refused a blindfold. You know what she even did? She blew, blew kisses to the soldiers that was about to kill her. They fired one volley of shots. She goes down. Officer walks over, puts two in the head. She done for. She done for. That's the end of my heart. And didn't now, they keep her body for a while? Or? They lost yeah. it. Yeah, they lost the body. They they the and her head. It. They lost it and found it. Yeah, they, what the hell did they cut her head off for? I don't know. I but they couldn't find her out. head. They never have found her head because the head was that's the one guy. The execution. They shot her in the chest. Um, you know, in the firing squad. Well, they shot her in the head. No, they shot Two. her in the chest with the rifles, and then the officer, when she fell down, yeah, walked up and put her in the head, so they couldn't right. run. Now, there's a lot of a lot of mystery still surrounding her life, her alleged double agency. Um, it's become kind of a legend, but Timmy alluded to the to the Zimmerman 
um, thing, the Zimmerman Telegraph. Uh, telegraph. Mm-hmm. Now, this was a thing where the British code breakers, they intercepted an encrypted message, all right? And it's meant for Heinrich von Eckert. He's the German ambassador to Mexico. Now, what he's saying is, yeah, the German ambassador to Mexico. How does that work? Where can, where can I get some good bratwurst in Mexico? But uh, you can't get sauerkraut in Mexico. You really can't. You can't. You, you go over there to Mexico it's with lederhosen good. on, it's not <laughs> they're going to kick your ass right out. But anyway, here's what this thing says, and they, and, and they broke the code on it. Because that's what they do. Yeah, they broke the, the Germans or the British broke the British do. Yeah, they do that well. And here's what they tell them. Here's what they tell Mexico, okay? So what the Germans tell Mexico? Yeah, if okay. you get in a war, you jump in a war with us, we will uh, we'll give you military aid, we'll give you financial aid. You just attack America, attack the United States. And in return, we'll give you Texas, New Mexico, and Arizona. Sounds like a good deal to me. Well, I don't know why no. in the hell. This is the what Mexicans I don't get. The Mexicans were smart and didn't do it. No, what the Mexicans did was just wait it. 75 years and took them over anyway. Yeah. I mean, the Mexicans got Texas, New Mexico, Arizona. But, I mean, but anyway, these things, this, uh... um, No, I'm just saying. Uh, Who who the hell cares if Texas goes? I mean, I think we ought to get Texas back to the Mexicans. Texans do. Yes. We have a lot of listeners in Texas. Go ahead. I know, but they they kind of own their... They're as big as Russia, for Christ's sake. They They annexed us. They annexed us. We didn't annex them. Go ahead. Yeah. And I'm telling you, if I was at the Alamo, we would have won it. (sighs) Okay. The colonel would have gone. Mahari. Okay. Now... Um, so they give us to the United States, and in the United States, they just mad as hell. I mean, it, 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 they put it on the newspapers, everything else. So relations between Germany and the United States, they'd already been severed, you know, a long, long time ago. And Germany just, they resumed their submarine warfare, you know, and they're shooting down U.S. vessels, which is kind of... A little hypocritical of us in that whole thing. We talked about that, that we yeah. told Germany you can't shoot any of our ships, but we put one passenger on the ship and we load it up with munitions for Britain and send it over there. And the Lusitania actually was filled up with weapons. Yeah, there was there was um, three major reasons why the U.S. got involved in the war. One was the unlimited U-boat warfare, which was sinking... Uh, uh, or any of the Matahari. Well, no, but it's related because this code... This code kind of proves um, from the documents. They were released out in about 1970. Um, This code from the other things they had intercepted, it it pretty much proved that she was indeed giving Germany some information. Now, she wasn't necessarily giving them any helpful information. She was on their payroll. Um, but she was on their payroll. Yeah, she was on their payroll. Um, she, she was on everybody's payroll. I know. I mean, she was on more people's payroll than, you know. So she was one of the first ones to take her clothes off on stage. Yeah. Yeah. So technically, she was uh, she was a German agent, is, I think is what we're saying. So she, in that sense, she was guilty. Whether or not she provided them any valuable information or just took their money, that's the question. The, the, the breaking of the code, though, in, in relation to Matahari is that, as Chuck mentioned, they, they, when they broke this code about uh, with the Germans and found out Matahari was a spy, they also broke the code about the Zimmerman Telegraph, which, as Charles said, was a uh, Germany's attempt to entice Mexico into the war against the United States. Well, and here's the funny part, and I, I, mm-hmm. I, I kind of laugh about this, because what Germany is saying is Mexico, we want you to be the go-between and get Japan in this. Yeah, against Japan the is also... Uh, so how also- would you like to be the German guy? It would be like that game of telephone, mm-hmm. you know, you play when you're a kid. The German guy telling the Mexican guy something, and him going telling the Japanese guy something. Well, what they what the Germany and Germany's goal was is if the United States got involved with the war, they wanted the, they wanted Mexico and Japan to tie us down so that we couldn't send right. troops over to Europe. 
so they wanted, you know, they enticed uh, this Zimmerman telegram, enticed Japan to jo- or uh, J- Mexico to join the war and also to uh, try to recruit Japan to join the war against the United States. Well, and Wilson was a little shifty, too, because he he had just been elected on a platform of he didn't yeah, put, get he us ca- into war. He kept war. us out of war. But now uh, it's 1917. Mm-hmm. We know the tide's turning. We know that the central powers are probably going to lose this thing. And we want to get at the table when they start divvying up the because to, to the victor goes the spoils. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we wanted that. we wanted to you see know. that. If you if you if you had ever won anything, blue hat devil, you'd know the victor goes the spoils. Really? But the, yeah. the funny thing about the Zimmerman telegram, and I know this you, is so I want it live. This is getting <laughs> well, away. That's from, true. <laughs> this is getting away from our Hari. But the funny yeah. thing was, <laughs> wait, <laughs> over here. No, the Zimmerman telegram. Try to stay on focus. The, the Germans. Germans the Germans. Had the Germans just denied it and said we didn't send, you know, yeah. we didn't t- try and entice Mexico to join it. That's the, that's Britain trying to get the United States yeah. to come into the war on their side. United oh. States was isolationist. That's how that's how uh, Wilson Wilson got elected reelected president. Oh, there was a ballsy bunch. They was so, like, oh yeah, we sent it. Yeah, what, Germany what was like, it? yeah, we sent that telegram. We we yeah. sent we but, sent it. But but don't. But don't be offended. It's only yeah. if you get in, involved yeah. in a war. Not, yeah. Nothing personal. Yeah. But it's, it's strictly business, Fredo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it, so it did not go over well with the American public and American Congress. So, uh, that, as well as the sinking of the Lusitania, led to the United States entering the war. And we all know how that Well, yeah, the out. telegram came out right at the very end of February. Uh, March 1st, they released the contents to the newspapers. Within 30 days, April 2nd, we were in the war. Yeah. Uh, we declared war on the Central Powers. So um, the British, of course, it was to their advantage um, to release that. Uh, but they did break the code, and they break, broke the code that identified Matahari as a German agent. We're not sure if she was also at some point a French agent. Sounds like she was making money wherever she could. Um, whether or not she gave him valuable information, we don't know, but um, she did take money from the Germans. And so she was found guilty. She was executed. Uh, her body was preserved and then lost. Yep. Lost, and, it, lost her head. And uh, her head, yes, was also lost. So I still don't get severed in the head. I don't, I, I don't was know. Was that just meanness? Was that spike? I don't was know. That? Maybe that's was, how they did it to get up into the yeah, I think brain. it was, what, the last sighting was like 1954 of her body or something like that? Well, yeah, they didn't discover until 2000 that it was gone, that yeah. the head had disappeared um, because the the museum that it was in had been relocated in 1954. Oh, okay. And there was inventory so, taken. So somewhere between 1954 and 2000. And, that, and there was inventory taken, and it was there. I wonder there. if it's dangling from somebody's rearview mirror. Could be. Uh, mm-hmm. Record in 1918, the museum received the body, but none of the it. remains could be accounted for. He had to make some Matahari gloves. Maybe. Again. Again. Okay, uh, Brandy, what's your final thoughts on Matahari? I I like her. She was just getting done what she needed to get done and doing what she needed to do to get by. Do you think she was a spy? Well, evidently she was a spy, so it doesn't matter what I thought. I don't know that she gave anything useful. It certainly wouldn't. She was living a pretty decent life. I mean, she it wasn't going to behoove her to really do that. But do you think somewhat of it? There was somewhat maybe of a, an excitement factor for her. To- I mean, I'm sure there was because you know, like we said, she was getting older. She was 41. She how, retired how from you? dancing. How do you? Not 41. What happens when women turn 40? That what? And this is a theory that's. It's not been- a theory. Look, we're. Anyway, she'd turned 41. So she started to... And she was... She was starting to grow started, penis? She'd gained some weight. Which she'd happens gained, if... I, mean, I will punch you square in the I'm throat. I'm just saying, women start to put on a little bit of ass after about 35. You. You're, you're saying they take on masculine features. No, you some, say that. Well, they do you sometimes just on masculine So anyway, features. she... Um, but she, you know, I think she had some money set back. But, yeah, I think that there was an excitement factor to it. And I think it was just it, she thought it would be easy. She thought it would be easy money. I, I think, too, that she embellished her, you know, she embellished her story about being this exotic um, 
dancer from Indonesia and all that. I think it's just, it's just she wanted to kind of add to that reputation. As you said, she was getting older and, uh, you know, she almost like a midlife crisis kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. this is this will make life a little bit more exciting well, I mean, for me. Her kids are dead. The one marriage she had failed because he was a dick. Mm-hmm. Her kids are dead. She's been and she know, knew all these. Important. She's been whoring around Europe. Yeah, well, and, yeah. Did, did, she very did well they have, had the, syphilis they didn't have the cure for syphilis back then? Well, I wonder how she didn't get syphilis if it was her husband. I wonder how half a half a half a Europe didn't get German the syphilis the way she was throwing it out there. Yeah, we Do you have anything to add of any kind of substance? Yes, sure. well, what's I your would final say that on? she was a dirty, dirty whore. <laughs> um, don't say that. But I don't have. But that's okay with me. You got um, love. I got yeah. I mean that's that's the world needs those okay. because if, if, now I want you to think about this. Right now, what's our problem in the world? We got the we got radical, you know, people blowing people up and ISIS, ISIS, and yeah. Now think about if everybody in ISIS became just a dirty, dirty whore. What a great world this would be. What is your thoughts as a candidate on legalizing prostitution? No. Um, I will. I, one of the first yeah, things I will do is up. legalize prostitution. Huh? Um, legalize prostitution. Cause, yeah, I think you, you should know. make it a requirement. Well, you know what? The colonel like to make an extra couple bucks now and again. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a legalized prostitution. Well, it maybe should be legal just for attractive women. Amen. Well, Amen. And teach uh, own. Yeah, because there's some four, over forty year old women out there that you know. They need some loving too. That haven't turned they got manu- into manually manual well, they, they might have, but they got checkbooks and they need some loving. I and so, oh, so you'll be a gigolo. Well, I'm just a gigolo. Oh. And everywhere I go. Okay. Uh, that wraps it up for Mata Hari. I think that uh, Mata was a uh, interesting person. She lived, lived a very interesting life. I think that she was probably guilty of being an agent. And that, uh, you know, when you're guilty of being a spy in wartime, uh, you generally end up being executed. So it probably was a just, um, a just uh, decision. Verdict, but um, I like uh, Brandy. I don't think that she probably gave any uh, really crucial information to either side. I just like the I admire the way the woman died. I, I admired how she lived. She lived an interesting life. So that's it for us right now. So thank you for joining us. And again, if you're listening, you know, check out our Facebook page. If you're listening on iTunes, please leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. And um, check us out on uh, Stitcher. And we will have another podcast out really soon. Thank you, everyone. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.